0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Verti Podcast. My name is Nick Perez and in this episode I am delighted to be joined by Professor Robert Stone, otherwise known as Bob. Now you may be forgiven to think that VR and AR and other immersive technologies have been around a relatively short time, well in actual fact Bob will tell you otherwise. Bob's been working in this industry since 1990, Bob is a professor at Birmingham University and heads up the Human Interface Technologies Team, where he and his team have been working on projects in heritage, healthcare, and the military. Bob has an illustrious history in this area, which he details shortly in the interview, but also has a psychology and human factors background which combined bring a real interesting dynamic and vital lessons to consider for when designing immersive environments. Now I've worked with Bob over the last few years as we've collaborated on healthcare projects at Torbay Hospital looking at the use of immersive technologies to aid the patient journey and as well as staff education. So I joined Bob now on location in Plymouth during the Medifest conference during what he does best, educating the masses on the real application of immersive technologies. Okay, so I need to introduce you, Bob, and I think for me, (laughs) the best way to do this is as veteran of of VR and and, and technology that I always turn to in terms of the real line of what's going on and how it's, you know, the the reality of the technology, I suppose, is the best way I put it. Others might call you the grump, (laughs) <laughs> That's polite. That's seriously polite. But I think, I think in, any, in any context, definitely the knowledge behind technology, particularly immersive technology and its kind of real purpose and application. We're here today at Medifest, which is uh, another conference which is looking at the world of medical and the overlap with technology. Could we just start by you perhaps giving us a little history about your work in, in healthcare
1: and technology? I'll try and make it little. Um, it goes back to 1990 uh, when I invented the world's first tactile feedback glove called Teletact. And that attracted the attention of some surgeons at, at Good Hope Hospital up in, Sta- in Salford. Sorry. Um, and to cut a long story short, we collaborated with them. And in 1992-93, uh, we, we were given money by the Wilson Foundation and the, and the NHS, as it was, to set up one of the four centres for looking at technology. Uh, in, and in our, in our case, it was for VR, so looking at virtual reality and laparoscopic colostectomy specifically. Uh, so we worked with them, we developed out of that, we, de- we took my human factors background, got into operating theatre, did a lot of task analyses. Long story, very, very short, that resulted in a, a, a commercial system called MIST, Minimally Invasive Surgical Trainer, VR. And for 10, 11 years, that was a de facto skills trainer at the Ethicon. Surgical Institute over in Darmstadt, so that was quite an achievement, and it just showed the power of human factors. It's not all about technology; it's about mm-hmm. looking at what the end users need. Yeah. Um, we then, unfortunately, we went through a number of different projects: mastectomy. Uh, we looked at uh, various things to do with um, defence medicine. Um, the, the medical division of what was then uh, Virtual Presence was sold off to Mentis in Sweden, so that killed the Workstone dead for various reasons. I then migrated to academia and found myself across the road from the Royal Centre for Defence Medicine. And they've been fabulous, because not only have they sponsored our work in civilian rehabilitation, so cognitive restoration, which you're aware of, mm-hmm. the physical respira- restoration and rehabilitation that we've been doing with you in Torbay, um, but they've also sponsored the, the, the mixed reality work. So they've, they've, they've been taking numerous leaps of faith,
0: yeah. and that's,
1: in, not, in rather a bigger nutshell than I'd hope, where we are today. <laughs> yeah, sure if we if we look at the kind of
0: the world of vr if you like in its widest context is it been a case of coming from someone that's had what 30 years experience in this area now plus some 34 yeah 34 Mm -hmm. is it rinse repeat a lot of the time are we just making those same assumptions because there's an unrealistic expectation placed on the technology what's the issue do you think
1: yeah we are seeing it it's, it's quite frustrating 34 years on i would expect us to be a lot further ahead than what we are in both headsets gloves tracking systems the software has obviously come on leaps and bounds because it's obviously had the underpinning of games companies so that, that that's a no-brainer mm. I mean, that has really pushed on as indeed has the computing power to, to run it um but so, so my only concern is that the the the, the, the obsession with wearable technology uh, that we see online um is it's just that it's an obsession it's a lot of people getting wowed at technology that's still incredibly immature for surgical applications in my opinion it's very unsafe inappropriate hasn't gone through a, anywhere near as much experimentation as it should have done so yeah yeah, there's 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 still a lot of managing expectation
0: to do and is that because research needs to catch up because we, we know research takes a long time to achieve is it a case of research needing to catch up with the pace of technology or is it more a case of people just need to pause and actually consider as you mentioned earlier other other important aspects like human factors for instance or human design
1: yeah, I think, I think you've hit the nail on the head with both of those. Yes, research does have to catch up. I don't think necessarily the research that's being done is being done with impact in mind. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I still read an awful lot of papers that are written by academics who are very, very keen to publish, yeah. period, and don't really give any, any serious thoughts to, to impact yeah. in the real world. Um, but then that comes again to the human factors aspect, is, is that so few papers and so few studies I see have individuals and human factors specialists Getting into the operating theatre or getting into settings with the surgeon to find out what it is he or she really needs. Yeah, and that's why they just force feed this technology in on a yeah. wing and a prayer. So what is what what is the correct
0: way to implement this technology then? Is it clearly the technology's here to be used? I, I I'm, I'm saying that because of the amount of emphasis that's been placed on it. If you're going to use this technology, how do we validate it? Mm. How do we make sure it's useful in people's hands? And how do we implement it so it's it's acceptable to everybody, because we're talking about a huge digital literacy that are our end users, right? Mm-hmm. So how do we make this
1: journey smoother? What do we need to consider? Well, we need to consider these are the human factors aspects up front. We we, we, we tend to adopt the, the, the process in, in International Standard 9241 Part 210, which sounds a bit geeky, but, but, <laughs> but if you read it, it's a, nice thin, it's a nice thin standard and it's got the loop, the actual design loop that you, that you should follow. Yeah. But being able to get, uh, get get close to surgeons and end users day yeah. one, but not just day one, it's not a case of going in watching what they do and then delivering something. Yeah. It has to be iterative. So, it's, unfortunately, this isn't a short process. A short process of uh, assessing a technology is one thing, validating is completely another. Longitudinal studies are very, very few and far between, but yeah. it's the longitudinal studies, coupled with the requirements for like NHS ethics and MRH, MHRA yeah. requirements, that's desperately needed. So th- this whole process, I think, internationally needs to be streamlined if we're going to get safe, appropriate and mature tech into the hands of surgeons. Yeah,
0: I absolutely agree with you there. Um, so there's obviously, we're at a conference today, we're, you're demonstrating kit I've been to lots of conferences now where I've seen stands with VR headsets Um, what is in your mind what is the correct way to interact with an audience using technology like this I mean there's obviously hygiene as well to be considered but what's your top tips I guess then top tips (laughs) Um,
1: certainly at conferences I tend to the 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 harbinger of doom I suppose a lot of my presentations start off being quite negative uh, and and really just, just just going over the mental and physical scarring I've had in the past 30 odd years, right. of which there is considerable, considerable evidence still up there. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's really to, to just to get people to sit back and think, yeah, you're gonna see some wild tech. Yeah. It's gonna be really glitzy, you're gonna love it, your kids are gonna love it, everyone's gonna go crazy mad, but just stand back. And we do this, yeah. we do this at STEM events with the kids uh, and a lot of the things we do at schools too, get them to sit back yeah. and think, think about what the key issues are. You know, are you gonna feel dizzy in a headset? Are you going to mess around with the headset on and, and, and risk banging your head against something? All, all these small issues, yeah. and then say, "But the future is bright. The future is really is, is really encouraging." Yeah. Um. So, but but yeah. just take it step by step. Don't don't just be wild by every bit of technology you see. And I think that's
0: evident in the work we've done together um, at Torbay Hospital, where mm. I think it's fair to say we've seen the technology being used in a way that is comfortable for the patient or the user, and that actually made A difference versus what they had before is there more comparative studies needed is there more realistic kind of approaches to technology being placed in people's hands needed as well in that respect
1: yeah i think i think there are i mean what we've done at torbay is exemplary with with you guys i believe and i'm not just saying that i just think i mean the the fact that some of the many of the hospitals in birmingham it's taken us ages to get through the door it's getting ages to get people to go on side everyone's a a fear that they won't be able to use the technology or break it but we come to torbay and we've got this kit and said look if you don't use it, it's going to end up gathering di- digital dust. And yeah. you guys have had the motivation and the impact to be able to go away and do it. Now I think there's two things: there's the longer-term research, yeah. but these short-term, high-impact, high-value, get it in the hands of the patient, get it in the hands of the patient and the, patient and the patient's relatives, as we've seen, yeah, see the impact. I think that has yeah. gone in parallel. Yeah. I, I don't think otherwise we'll be waiting forever. We we need these these, these good stories. Yeah. but we don't want good stories that's marred by wowing people with, with, with tech.
0: Right, so two final questions, because you bring up a really good point there, which is the wow, or the seductive lure of technology, as I like to call it. There's an easy trap to fall into. You try VR, AR, whatever it might be the first time, you think, that's going to change the world. But it's that repeat exposure to content, and it's that, actually, said they're real use cases. Mm-hmm. How can we, is there a way to overcome or circumnavigate the wow technology, to begin with, in your experience, do you think? Oh.
1: Uh, n- no, and and, and, and this it, may sound strange, but I, I I prefer I'd rather we didn't um, okay. because there's nothing like as we've seen today. Yeah, there's nothing like having a couple of virtual reality augmented reality headsets on the stand yeah. to to attract the punters. So you
0: need that for engagement first and you foremost. You need that for, yeah. to to, to, yeah. to
1: draw them in. Yeah, sure. and then you need to tell them that that that. There are there are certain issues with it as we've had to do with the Merck enclosure, the implementation we have got downstairs, um, but you need to give them good stories because yeah. like today with the kids are coming in with their teachers and parents, they see another gaming fad. Yeah. But when they see it being used for training the young guys and girls who are going on casualty evacuation. Yes. Or they're seeing it being used for distraction therapy or rehabilitation. Yeah. Then the message starts to creep in that yeah, maybe this is something that my kids. And even if my kids don't do medicine or dentistry or or become a vet there are all these multiple areas that they can still follow
0: to get involved so to conclude then what is the positive outlook of the technology in the next few years and what are some of the realistic expectations that we should have and maybe some of the um, things that we need to be aware of i suppose from a realist point of view how
1: does the future look? Right, well, I think the future, despite <laughs> d- d- despite my reputation on various online... Uh, well, online, LinkedIn, we're talking about well, we, we are, better, <laughs> basically, yes. I mean, I'm much I'm much more polite on Twitter than I am on LinkedIn, mainly because you can't get as many words down. But hey, but yeah. the future is rosy. There's no doubt about it. This technology... I mean, I wouldn't have given up 34 years of my, my, my time having mm. experienced the first VR headset back in NASA yeah. you know, if I didn't believe this house something. Yeah. Um, but I, I think... We need to we, we, we need to qualify the rosiness, if you like, with, yeah. with some degree of some degree of caution. Is that again we've said it already in in this chat? It's not to get too over infused about technology that, that that glitzy technology that's being oversold by Microsoft or oversold by Apple and, and you know, yeah. they're going yeah. to the corner of the market. Let's just let us try and as a community come together and start looking at the good news stories yeah. that have got some real credible background to them. You know, yeah, not just. Okay, I've, done, I've taken this headset into a care home, and, and the old Left chap said, "Wow, it. Yeah. Uh, it needs a little bit more than that." Yeah. Although that is a good news story in itself. Yeah. So I just think we need to, we, we need to we just need to be a little bit cautious, mm. but we must never dampen the enthusiasm. And it's a rough it's a rough path to follow.
0: <laughs> That's a great way to finish. I think, Bob, thanks very much for spending a couple of minutes with me chatting about the world of immersive technologies. I appreciate it. That's a great pleasure. Mate. From just a short while speaking to Bob, there there was. Some real key messages I felt was important to summarise and would open up for conversation for future episodes of the podcast as well. But this power of human factors, and in fact it's not about the technology at all, it's about the end user needs, which I feel as a message could be applicable to any technology in any industry, actually starting with the end user. And whilst we're on the topic of human factors, Bob mentions more human factors considerations and specialists needed particularly with a design and implementation kind of process and in areas where, you know, there is a safety-critical aspect involved. Bob references International Standard 9241, Part 210, which gives us a framework from which to work on for best practices. And we must be careful of the well factor, the well factor of mature technologies. It's not always ready for the applications they're being used in, but wonder if, if there are times when we need to to be brave and to pioneer the technology just to understand what these limitations sometimes are. However, it is good to generate interest, interest from that technology but frame it correctly and realistically. I think that's a very good point as well. The framing of conversations around these technologies is really, really important, particularly when we see so much heavy marketing and exaggeration in the space. Research perhaps has some catching up to do against the speed of technology. That The technology needs to incorporate research within its core development. And that research needs to have impact in mind. Long-term research is important, but so is short-term, high-impact, high-value case studies. Get it in the right hands. So just to finish then, the future is rosy, and I I completely agree with this. You see some absolutely wonderful things happening in this space. But as Bob uh, speaks um, about qualifying it with that healthy caution, and I'm just really grateful for the time I've been able to spend with Bob and learn from his his knowledge of being uh, through the uh, process a number of times. And I look forward to my next conversation and having you along on the journey as well.